The great test of whether doctrine is being applied is if your mind is getting clearer in the things of God, your affection should be getting dearer, your God should feel nearer, not because he has changed, because we now just see differently and we're aware of his presence more intimately. Hi, and welcome back to Live in the Light. I'm your host, Craig Turnbull, and with me today in studio is our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons. Hey, listen, we're so glad that you've joined us today. You've joined us for a unique message. In just a minute, we'll talk more about that. But just to remind you as our listeners, if you'd like to drop a note of encouragement, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, or even if you'd like a copy of today's message, make sure you visit us online at Live in the Light. That's L-I-G-H-T. Or you can dial us up at 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-225-4448. Robbie, this message today, pure gold. The doctrine of Christ. Amen. Understanding the biblical and theological teachings of our Savior Jesus Christ. Absolutely essential for living and understanding the Christian life. Again, the purpose is being filled with the knowledge of Christ, of God, to love our Savior more, to love our God more. After all, Jesus Christ is fully God, as we're going to hear today. Such important truths. May we be ready to hear and be changed. And may the Lord fill our hearts with a great love for the Lord Jesus Christ today. Go, Lord. Let's get our Bibles open. Here we go with today's message. And here again is Pastor Robbie. A love of God, it's knowledge leading to love. I mean, that's when doctrine is rightly applied. When doctrine is rightly applied, knowledge and love collide. You're like, Rob, you keep saying that. I'm sick of it. That's good. That means it's working, all right? Because you need to remember it. I need to remember it over and over again. Remember, the great test of whether doctrine is being applied is if your mind is getting clearer in the things of God, your affection should be getting dearer, your God should feel nearer, not because he has changed, because we now just see differently and we're aware of his presence more intimately. Your worship should be sweeter. These are the tests if doctrine is being rightly applied. Now, you came in here today and you're feeling a bit grumpy. Don't get too discouraged, all right? This isn't your great spiritual day. Don't worry about that. It's the trajectory of where we're going. It's bouncing the yo-yo, walking up a flight of stairs. The trajectory for our lives is to be like this. We're going to have some hard days. And so again, you're here today and you're like, I don't feel like I'm growing crazy. Well, Well, hopefully over the week and the month and the year, as the doctrine is rightly applied, you are heading in the direction of more like Jesus. That's what's supposed to be happening if this doctrine is being properly applied. Again, let me say this again. We're not going just for information. Information must turn into transformation. Transformation is what we are going for. Let me pray for that uh, right now. Father, in the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, we ask you, O God, for great and mighty things to take place right now. We are so blessed. 
blessed, I pray, by the testimonies of baptism throughout this weekend, the absolute life-changing testimonies that Jesus Christ is the only way to everlasting life, the only one who can give us joy, the only one who can forgive our sins. And today we speak on him again in great fullness and great clarity. And I pray you will use that, God. You will use that in my life. You'll use that in the life of your children here right now. God, may I ask boldly, that you will use it to save people even here now who do not know you. Oh God, may your will be done. May your will be done right now in this place and in this time. Give us such clarity and may you encourage us with the truth of your word, I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, let me hear and... Amen. Amen. Okay, great. So with our background today being the stirring waters of baptism, we now dig down into the doctrine of Christ. The thrill we have today is getting to know our very Savior more through the doctrine of the person of Christ. And so I'm excited about this. I can't wait to kind of find out where we're going and here's where we are going. As is with the doctrine of the Trinity, we had four statements, four affirmation statements, the doctrine of the person of Christ also has uh, four affirmation statements. They are in your uh, outline. They will be on the screen for you right now. Let's just get this out in front. As you are learning about the doctrine of the person of Christ, this is what is most essential for us to know. Uh, that number one, Jesus Christ is fully and completely divine. Uh, Jesus Christ is fully and completely God. And a lot of people understand that, a lot of people love that, but here's what's also just as important as it pertains to the doctrine of the person of Christ. What the Bible teaches us is that Jesus Christ is also fully and completely human. He is fully God, he is fully man. Fully God and fully man. The two natures found within the one person of Jesus Christ. Now, these divine and human natures, they are distinct. And here's where our, our brains begin to hurt a little bit for the glory of God, all right? And fourthly, the divine and human natures, although they are distinct in Christ, they are completely united in one person. So you have fully God, fully man, Two distinct natures united in one person. Two natures, fully God, fully man, but completely and totally united into one person. Not two people. And not just one nature. Fully God, fully man, united in the person of Jesus Christ. This is what we need to know regarding this doctrine. And loved ones, this is what we need to love. And my prayer is the more you know this today, the more you will love him as a result of today as well. So this is what we need to, again, live. This is what we need to know. This is what we need to love. So let's get started. Point number one is this then. Jesus Christ is fully God. That was a great spot for an amen, all right? Jesus Christ absolutely is fully God. And this is the beauty of this doctrine, right? Jesus Christ was not just a good man. As lots of people want to suggest, Jesus Christ was not just a powerful prophet. Again, as often said, Jesus Christ was not just a, quote, great moral teacher. No, listen very carefully. Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah is absolutely and completely fully God. Amen. Amen. All right, that's good. That's good. Never be shy in saying amen statements like that, all right? Front to the back, man. We need to get into that. Now, now, I have a great and strong conviction as a believer in Jesus Christ that we as believers need to be able to teach certain truths. 
For example, if I asked you right now, Jesus Christ is fully God, and you would hopefully be like, yeah, absolutely, 100%, man, I believe that. Could you with scripture, could you with Bible in hand, or even better yet, from memory, could you prove to me from the word of God, the deity of Jesus Christ? Could you get your Bible open and show me scriptures that don't just say it from your lips, but prove it with the word of God, which is our authority, that Jesus Christ is uh, fully God, that he is completely and fully divine. Here's what I know from experience. When you ask people that, uh, the vast majority of us could not do that. We could not with our swords, the Bible's called the sword of the spirit, we could not grab our swords and cut with, with, with Bible in hand, cut the lies of Satan and the, and the darkness of this world and prove that Jesus Christ is deity, that Jesus Christ is fully divine. Now, I think a ton of us would say, well, I totally believe that. I believe Jesus Christ is fully God because we've been taught that. But here's an idea. Um, let's be able to teach that to someone else. Let's be able to take our swords. And by the way, you got to get your sword out of its sheath, right? You can't just keep it in sheath the whole time. You got to get it out. You got to sharpen it and you got to use it. Uh, one of the great premises for this series is found in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 2. I'll just say it for you. I'll just paraphrase it for you. Paul is mentoring Timothy. Paul is on his last days. He, he believes he's coming to the end of his life, which he was. And he's mentoring Timothy, and he says to Timothy, Timothy, the things that I have uh, spoken to you, the things that have been entrusted to you, he says, entrust also to faithful men who will themselves teach others. Paul says, Timothy, what I'm teaching you, you take, you entrust to others who will themselves teach others. Notice what's happening in that one verse. Four generations of biblical teaching. Paul, Timothy, Timothy teaches people who will then teach others as well. That's called discipleship. This is the point of what we're doing, not just so you get this information and, and hoard it within yourself. I want you to take this information and be transformed by it. But here's a concept. Take what you're learning and bless someone else. Teach it to someone else who will then be equipped to teach others as well. This is one of the great points of the Christian life that we share with. And I love the response from last night and, and so many people coming up and just testifying. I have grown so much with what's happening within this ministry and I desire to share that with others as well. I want people to know my Savior. That's the point, loved ones. We don't just take it so we get this great little spiritual muscle and not flex it. We gotta exercise that spiritual muscle by blessing others with that which we've been taught um, as well. This is a great goal for us. This is a great objective for us within this church too. Now back to the question, could you take the word of God and could you prove the deity of Christ? Well, let's change that today. Let's, let's make sure we can do that today uh, together. One of the things that I have done just as a way to remember amazing passages that pertain to the deity of Christ, this is not uh, original to me or this is not something that you can't move beyond. It's just a, a few passages that I've really personally just resonated with. They are uh, the three ones that I call the three ones to the deity of Christ, just a way for me to remember it. John chapter one, we talked about this briefly a couple weeks ago. John chapter one, uh, Colossians chapter one, and Hebrews chapter chapter one. Now hear me, there are a ton of other scriptures that talk about the deity of Christ. 
as we will see. But these are fantastic, extensive passages that fully prove that Jesus Christ was God. John chapter one, uh, Colossians chapter one, and Hebrews chapter one. So so uh, let's turn there to each passage together then, and um, let's go through it and find out why this is so beautiful. John chapter one. So grab a Bible and open it to John chapter one, all right? Make sure you're a person beside you is doing that as well. Make sure they are turning to John chapter one. And I hope we're excited. We're, we've, we've got our swords right now. We're, we're sharpening them uh, because we want to use them. We talked about this text in the doctrine of the Trinity a little bit a couple of weeks ago. I won't spend a ton of time on it, but I want us to see it again. John chapter one, the gospel of John chapter one, uh, verse one. In the beginning was the word. Remember we talked about capital W word. That's Jesus Christ. He is the definition, he is the expression, he is the revelation of God himself. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Jesus Christ is eternal, and the word, tell me, was God, all right? How clear is that? In the beginning was the word, Jesus Christ. The word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus Christ is God. Now, just in case you think this isn't a person, verse two blows that up, all right? Verse two, he, 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 a person, Jesus Christ, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse four, in him was life. Are you here today looking for life? Jesus Christ is the answer to your life. Jesus Christ is the answer to true life itself. Jesus Christ is eternal life. Jesus Christ has life. He holds life within himself. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Are you sick of darkness? Are you sick of sin? Are you sick of this world overcoming you and causing you to be pressed and down and discouraged? Jesus Christ is the light that shines in the darkness. Jesus Christ is the only one who can make sense of the misery of this world and to bring us to a place where we see clearly and love and know this is why we exist. In him was life, and this life was the light of men. Verse five, just because it's so great. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Can I get an amen? Right? This is our Savior. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is the Word. Jesus Christ in the Word was God. All right, it's pretty clear. But let's go to Colossians chapter 1 now. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all right? Now, race your, race your person beside you who, who can get there fast, all right? Colossians chapter one, all right? I just got there. Are you there? Are you there? All right. We got our, again, we're sharpening our swords, loved ones. Aren't you excited? Aren't you excited? Sometimes I'm convinced, sometimes I'm not. I'm not sure, but you know, God knows what's going on. But I'm excited. Here we go, Colossians chapter one. We're learning that our savior is God. Uh, that's awesome, all right? I'm not sure what television programs you watched this week, but were they like this? Probably not, all right, all right? No hockey game can compare to this right now, okay? Colossians chapter one, ready? He, Christ, Christ is the image of the invisible God. That's awesome. Christ is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. Remember, firstborn's not he is the firstborn actually physically created. That's a statement of importance. That's a statement of greatness. Uh, David was called the firstborn, but he was the eighthborn physically. He was the firstborn as importance that God was elevating. This is the statement for Jesus Christ. Verse 16, for by him all things were created. Have you noticed in John 1? Jesus Christ is creator. In Colossians 1, Jesus Christ is creator. All things created through Jesus Christ. No one but God created this world. 
Therefore, Jesus Christ must be God. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him. And all things were created for him. And he is before all things, eternal. And in him, all things hold together, awesome. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, the excellency of Jesus Christ. Verse 19, for in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Again, how clear is this today as we are reading Jesus Christ is fully God? The word image there means icon. Verse 15, the word image, icon or exact replica. Christ then as the image of God is the exact as well as the visible representation of God. Christ illuminates the essence of God. Jesus Christ then is the full, final, and complete revelation of God himself. Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. Wow. That's our Savior, fully, fully God. Again, verse 17, he is eternal. Verse 19, pretty hard to misread. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That word dwell is, is not temporary. It's, it's permanent, a permanent dwelling. Notice this too, there's no uh, jealousy or competition in the Trinity. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell within the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. The fullness of God, pleased to dwell. John chapter one, Colossians chapter one, and the third one, Hebrews chapter one. Keep turning right. First and second Thessalonians, first and second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter one. You having fun yet? Okay, that's all right, that's all right. Hebrews chapter one. Jesus Christ is fully God. This is such a brilliant text too. The three ones of the New Testament as defined by me, no one else. So you can take it or leave it, but I think they're great. Hebrews chapter one, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us. See the expression of God. He has spoken to us by his son, capital S, whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world. Notice that John one, Colossians, Hebrews one, all three, Jesus Christ is creator. Through whom God created the world through Jesus Christ. Appointed heir of all things. Verse three, unbelievably wonderful. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word um, of his power. Jesus Christ, the heir of everything, the creator of everything. Verse three, the glory of everything. So realize what verse three is saying. He is the radiance of the glory of God. What this means is, is that all the perfections found in the Father are also found in the Son, Jesus. He is the range of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. That means the exact attributes of God the Father make up God the Son. 
It means that in every conceivable way, Jesus Christ exactly represents the Father. There cannot be any closer resemblance to the Father possible than Jesus Christ. And the second half of verse three, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. You know, scientists, they baffle at how our planets stay where they are and, and how come the sun is exactly and precisely the distance it is and, and how come we just hold together and explain, again, everything that they see out in the, in the, in the macro world and the micro world and they don't have an explanation for it. Here's your answer. Here's an explanation for it. One word. Jesus, all right? Jesus upholds the universe. These are my words. It's right here in God's word. Jesus upholds all things hold together in him, Colossians 1. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus withdraws himself from the universe and the whole thing goes and explodes, you and I included. That is awesome. This is your savior, by the way. This is Jesus Christ who is absolutely, fully, fully God. And loved ones, I'm hoping, man, if, if you're like me in my study this week, and even right now, as you go through John 1, as you go through Colossians 1, as you go through Hebrews 1, what happens? It's doctrine. It's beautiful. And something begins to well up with inside of you a little bit. It's in this moment as you see that Jesus Christ is the radiance of the glory of God, that just for a moment you stop looking in the mirror. Oh, it's so refreshing. I'm so sick of me. You know, just for a moment, you stop dwelling on all your little stuff and you look up and you gaze upon your savior and you're like, wow, this is about you, Jesus Christ. You are the one. It's not about me. It's not about my little desires. It's not about my, all the things I'm running after in this world. It's about you, Jesus Christ, and the freedom to gaze upon the doctrine of the one who's really in charge. And what happens is as you do that, worship begins to well within you. And I pray it's happening in your heart right now. There's a sense of awe. There's a sense of wonder. There's a sense of glory. There's a sense of Jesus Christ is exactly who he says he is. And I need to worship him more. Loved ones, that's doctrine rightly applied. This is the point of what we're doing. It allows us to focus on him and to see him and ultimately to love him. The deity of Christ, John 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1. I commend that to you for the rest of your life to take that in some capacity. Now, are there other passages to the deity of Christ? Tons of other passages. You're like, well, what are some examples? Here are some, three right now. In John chapter 20, Thomas, after his doubting, he is confronted with the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. He sees the scars, he touches. And Thomas says in this massive exclamation of the deity of Christ, my Lord and my God. Thomas knows exactly what he's saying. No more doubting now. No more doubting. My Lord and my God. Titus 2, Paul writes, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory, notice, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our great God, Jesus Christ is called their great God and Savior. Pretty clear. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, uh, Simon Peter, servant to those who have attained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God. He's calling Jesus Christ, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, Paul met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. Peter walked with Jesus Christ for three years. John also walked with Christ for three years. Their conclusion by the Holy Spirit is like, uh, this man, he was God. He was completely and fully God. And we'll see in a second, he was also completely and fully man. Um, other examples, so exciting. Um, um, Zechariah, 
of course, married to Elizabeth. And Mary, uh, she begins to have Jesus formed within her womb. And Mary goes out to visit Elizabeth. And as she greets Elizabeth, the baby in Elizabeth, John the Baptist, leaps for joy. Awesome. And the Holy Spirit then speaks through Elizabeth to Mary. And Elizabeth says, with no prompting other than God's spirit within her, he says, who am I that the mother of my Lord should visit me. That's incredible. The Holy Spirit is telling Elizabeth right there that Mary has God in her womb. It is wow. It's awesome. And you can go on and on on all these different examples of how the Bible's speaking to the deity of Christ. But there'll still be people, aside from all that we just did, They'll say, yeah, but what about Jesus? I mean, did Jesus affirm his own deity? The only problem with even that argument is you just discounted the word of God. You just said that the other passages in scripture don't count. So your doctrine of God's word is so uh, fatally flawed to begin with, you can't even move on from there. But let's just, let's, just, let's just appease these people for a little bit and just say, but we go to the word of God to see what Jesus said. Uh, Jesus in John chapter eight, he says, before Abraham was, I am, Okay? You can't give a stronger allusion to Moses in the burning bush as God says, tell them I am the eternal Yahweh, the Lord of the universe. Jesus tells, tells the Pharisees that he is the I am. That's why they freaked out and wanted to kill him right away because they knew exactly what he was saying. When asked by the high priest before Christ was sent to be crucified, the high priest said, are you the Christ? Jesus says, I am and then he alludes to Daniel chapter seven and he says, and you will see the son of God coming on the clouds. And if you turn to Daniel seven, not now, later you can do that. In Daniel seven, you will see, here's the ancient of days. Here's the, the Messiah that will come, that will reign over all of creation and the universe. And it's obviously referring to the one who is God himself. Jesus said, I and the father are one. Again, this is why the Pharisees, their charge against Jesus to kill him was that Jesus was making himself equal with God. You're right, Pharisees, he was because he is. Revelation chapter one, God says, God the Father says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Revelation chapter two, Jesus says, the book ends of Revelation. Jesus says in chapter 22, Revelation, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Pretty clear right there. Jesus and the Father are one. They are God, the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Loved ones worship him, he is God. And he is fully God. Here's point number two. Jesus Christ is fully man. Jesus Christ is fully man. Now, it's well understood in most areas of the Christian church, not all, but particularly the evangelical Christian church that we love the deity of Christ that we can never ever deny the deity of Christ, obviously, because that would make us false teachers and a heretic and our whole faith uh, disintegrates. But what can be neglected and sometimes unintentionally is the doctrine of Christ that he is not only fully God, but he is also fully man. Here's what you need to know though. If you deny the full humanity of Jesus Christ, you are also a heretic. You are also a false teacher. It's just as serious that he is fully man, that he is also fully God. It is of paramount importance that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. So let's unpack this amazing doctrine then also that Jesus Christ is fully man. Uh, six things we learn about this. This is in your insert as well. Number one is this. Jesus Christ is fully man because Jesus Christ had a human birth. He had a human birth. Think about it. Uh, Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. 
He was born of a virgin. Now put on your theological minds for a second. Consider then, because of this conception in the womb of a virgin, consider how this makes possible the uniting of full deity with full humanity. Think about that for a second. Think of how now, because the Holy Spirit overshadows Mary, Jesus conceived by the Holy Spirit, this allows for full humanity to be joined with his full deity. Because God could have sent Jesus in different ways. God, he can do whatever he wants. He could have sent Jesus as an adult human being, just, just presented him at the age of 30. He just shows up. He is, he's created that way and he's ready to begin his ministry. But if that happened, then we would doubt that Jesus was fully man like us. We would question that. Hey, Living the Light listeners, listen, you've heard of Black Friday. You probably heard of Cyber Monday. But have you heard of Giving Tuesday? That's a time again for people who are fired up about ministries like Living the Light to give on Tuesday, November 29th to again ministries like ours to see the gospel continue to go forward and lives to be changed through the revelation of God's truth. Did you know that we are kept on the air on this station 100% by generous donors like yourselves? It's so true. We are dependent on you and the support and prayer again of our listeners to continue to see these messages go out and we pray reach so many people again for the Lord Jesus Christ. And this year we're excited to say we had a special donor step up and they are willing again to match gifts up to $25,000. They're going to match again all donations up to that amount towards living the light in this giving season. So hey, maybe right now you you would consider being used of the Lord to uh, see how you can be used to give generously, to live in the light that will continue to reach people again a donor is going to match up to $25,000 we're so thankful for that donor and thankful for you for considering being used in this way at this time to see light shine in the darkness and to see those again without hope to find the hope that is found in Jesus Christ bless you all for prayerfully considering such things and that's all for today join us tomorrow at live in the light